0: Welcome to Puto Politics, the political podcast of the San Antonio Express News. My name is Gilbert Garcia,
1: Metro columnist, and I'm joined by Metro Editor Greg Jefferson, Columnist Carrie Clack, an editorial board member,
2: Nancy Prayer Johnson, Associate Editorial Board Editor.
1: We're going to talk a little bit
0: today about election workers and election administrators under siege, and also talk about what it means to be a rhino, um, the censure efforts against a uh, Republican Congressman Tony Gonzalez. And uh, the, actually, that, that came up before the Bear County uh, Republican Party on the same day that Liz Cheney was was voted out of office in Wyoming. So we'll be talking about that. Um, at, toward the end of the show, we're going to be taking some questions that you all have submitted. And for those of you who don't know, we are taking uh, listener questions. We're going to try to get to as many as we can. And just go to expressnews.com forward slash puro. And uh, anything you'd like to hear us talk about, uh, we'll, we'll get to it. Last week, the story broke. Um, it was in the Fredericksburg paper um, that Gillespie County, which is about an hour Northwest of San Antonio, basically has no elections office anymore. The elections administrator, uh, Anisa Adeda and her staff have all left. And she hasn't talked a lot about it. She did tell the paper that uh, she had been subjected to death threats and stalking since the 2020 election. This is a county that that Donald Trump carried with 79% of the vote in 2020, but she was, and there were some stories at the time, she was getting hounded by Republicans in the county who were you know, upset about either about fraud or, or whatever, just they had concerns. And um, this is a story that's bigger than Gillespie County. The New York Times has now written about this issue because we have seen since the 2020 election uh, just an increase in uh, harassment of elections officials. And it's a tough job under the best conditions. It's a high pressure job. You're dealing, you know, the, the stakes are very high and, um, it's become, I think, really, really difficult. And I think I'm, I'm concerned about whether, you know, we're going to be able to have people doing these jobs and without having to to fear that they're going to be, um, facing threats going forward. Um, you know, Carrie, what What are your, I should also say Jackie Callan, the Bayer County uh, Elections Administrator, she's been pretty reluctant to talk too much about it, understandably, because you don't really want to talk too much about everything that, that you've been, your office has been subjected to, but it's clear that they've also, uh, you know, they've also faced some of these issues. What do you make of it?
1: It's it's part of, of uh, where we are as a nation today and the easiness, just the uh, the mindset where, if anything doesn't go our way, or if we suspect anything that's wrong, we are going to threaten someone with violence. And with the whole deal with the election workers, as you said, this is this is going on across the nation. And uh, during the January sixth committee, uh, Miss Miss Ruby and her daughter Shay, they became the faces of. Uh, Intimidated election workers, where people are coming to their door threatening to kill them, and and it 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 makes it's it's never right to intimidate or threaten anyone, but this is happening again because of a lie. I have to say, of
0: all the things that that Donald Trump has done, and there 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 are some egregious things he's done since he he got into uh, into politics, but the story. Uh, of Shea Moss and Ruby Freeman, mm. mother-daughter who worked in Atlanta. Were, they were working late hours because they were asked to conti- keep counting. The, they took the ballots out of ballot containers because they were asked to, because there was a lot of national interest in what's the vote count in, in Georgia. They were doing their job. They had they had people, as you said, people coming to their house. I think, uh, I think it was Ruby Freeman, I think is the, the mother, had to, was advised by the FBI to leave her home. She left her home for two months and Donald Trump was putting their names out there, and his supporters were putting their names out there. And again, I, you, people can argue with what's, what's the most egregious thing he's done. That's the thing that I, I tend to get the angriest about when I think about people, hardworking elections workers, fearing for their lives, and a president, or I guess he was a former president, by, as this story went on, is 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 fueling this. Uh, it's unbelievable to me. Were you going to say something, Craig? Well,
3: yeah, I mean. One question I have about this, both in Gillespie County and the threats that uh, Jackie Callan and the Bear County Elections Administrator that she's faced, who's investigating this? <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, we have uh I think we still under, live under rule of law, and you know, making uh making death threats it runs afoul of that law. So who's investigating this? Because it seems like the feds, the Justice Department, would have have an interest in pursuing people who are making death threats against election workers. And you know, when Scott Huddleston, the reporter who wrote the story on Jackie, and I, uh, this was you know in conjunction with your column last week on threats she was facing, he checked with the Bear County Sheriff's Office uh, about whether they had any open investigations into these threats, and nobody had reported the threats <laughs> to the sheriff's office. Why not? I mean, that's my question. Like, who's, who's doing something about these threats?
2: I mean, maybe they don't have faith that something will actually be done. And that's sad, you know, that they think nothing – no one will answer for this. There will be no consequences. And I think that that is also reflective of what's happening in our, in our society. When you also look – if you think about the poll workers um, – there's a lack of them. I know Brandon Lingle had a column not too long ago about the effort to get, um, military veterans, right? To, uh, to work the polls. And, and there's a huge lack of poll workers and this does not bode well for them. I mean, who would want to do it? Right. And we're talking usually about older people. And of course, they'd be more vulnerable to these kind of attacks.
3: Right. I mean, you do have I mean, Jackie Callinan is a county employee. And, you know, it's not only her. I mean, she's uh, her office at large is taking threats. I mean, this is an arm of county government. (laughs) I mean, if, if they can't press an investigation, I'm not sure who can. I mean, I understand individual, you know, volunteers, poll workers being uh concerned or thinking that an investigation wouldn't really turn anything up it's different when you're talking about a kind of a government
0: i think that's absolutely true i i, I don't know the answer to that i think it's a great question i think that everybody who who read about gillespie county had the same question like well where's where's you know where's the legal investigation into this um i i i do sense that there uh, is maybe some trepidation about about enlisting law enforcement in, in these, these cases, because I think there's a fear of like, the more you talk about it, the more, uh, the, you know, the more it, 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 uh, we see the threats. I, I, I mean, my, my sense is that, and you sort of quietly dealt with this thing until she couldn't anymore. And then when she did it, I mean, she, she, uh, she wrote a letter, um, to, I think, I think it was to the county commissioners in Gillespie County. And then and she did one interview. But I think she just uh, was was probably suffering there for a couple of years. And one of the things that's interesting too is that she's, I think, in the letter that she wrote explaining her resignation, she also cited uh, when she talked about just the difficulty, the long hours, the you know the threats. She also talked about absurd election laws, yeah. and um, I, you know that's that's a separate issue. But w- the Texas legislature and and Greg Abbott last year with the changes they made in Texas election law did not make it any easier for people doing these jobs. Um, And, you know, we have, they, they, we know that some of the things they did like uh, making it uh, impossible for uh, county elections offices to send even applications uh, for, um, for mail ballots, that's, that sort of thing. So I, I just think this is, this is a really big concern that we, uh, you know, the, you're, you're seeing that Robert Draper had a really, really great piece this past week where he talked about Arizona and sort of the anti-democratic, small d democratic uh, sentiment there, which is people are basically saying, well, we're we're, we're not, we don't really have, uh, you know, we're, we're a republic, we're not a democracy, and we don't, they don't really necessarily value the election process as much as they value what they think is the preservation of liberty and, and the America that they want. So, I think already uh, there's uh, we've seen dem- the concept of democracy devalued, and now just the infrastructure around it is starting to uh, we're starting to lose well, just, some. of that. And just
1: just the I mean the overall effort. I mean when you talk about what what goes on with with the legislature, I mean that an effort to to suppress or to discourage certain folks from voting. But then what when you have these threats of violence at the polls? I mean, November, what's going to happen come November is that because people are aware of all these groups and all these different, uh, threats, you're going to have folks from the other side who say, okay, then, then, then we need to be there. Mm-hmm. We need to be there to protect folks. And, you know, yeah, it, 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 it looks, it, it looks like it could be some, some violent stuff happening at the election at the polls on, in November. Unnecessarily so.
2: Yeah, that's the biggest concern. I mean, I know in Gillespie County, they are, there was a story, I believe on Texas Public Radio this morning, uh, that they are trying to, um, just go ahead and train the, the workers who are left. And the concern is that there have been so many changes in election law that they're having to catch everybody up. And imagine having that job, right? But how important is that, that they're doing? And I mean, I just, I worry about them as well. I mean, the concerns are really high for them, just knowing everything that they're facing, but how brave they are to keep that job and, and to keep um, with all that training because, I mean, the election must happen, right? And it needs to be fair, transparent, and, um, and it needs to be successful.
0: Um, last week, uh, on Tuesday night, we saw Liz Cheney, daughter of former Vice President uh, Dick Cheney, uh, voted out of a congressional seat that she probably could have had for the rest of her life if she had not uh, decided to take on Donald Trump and, uh, and, it, and his false accusations about the 2020 election being stolen from him. Um, and she lost in a landslide. The same night that happened, we saw uh, a meeting of the Bear County Republican Party where they considered, they ultimately did not go ahead with this, but they considered censuring uh, District 23 Congressman Tony Gonzalez. Uh, he has already been censured by the um, Medina and, P- and Pecos County Republican parties, uh, two counties in his district. I think the the big offenses in the eyes of these uh, these Republican party members are he voted uh, for the Safer Communities Act, which was touted as a gun reform bill. It had very little, really, uh, to do with guns. Was much more about mental health, and that's that has been a big issue for him. And he also voted for a bill that would codify. Uh, same-sex marriage and interracial marriage, uh, in light of concerns that people have about that because of the Supreme Court decision to uh, uh, repeal abortion rights. So, um, and there are other things too, but I think those are the the big ones. With with both Tony Gonzalez and and Liz Cheney for different reasons, because he hasn't really taken on Donald Trump in the way that she has. But I think both of them have been accused of being rhinos for, in his case, I think just saying, "I'm going to try to find a few issues that I can work." With the Democratic Party, on like he he's he's in a swing district. He uh, that's a, a has a lot of border territory. He came in wanting to work with the Democrats on immigration reform that hasn't happened yet. But it seems that the very idea of working with Democrats, of saying they're not evil and they're not the enemies, I'm going to try to find a few things that I can work with them on, that is offensive to many members of his party. And in the case of Liz Cheney, you you're you're either buying into the big lie. Or you're a rhino. Um, What what do you mean? Well, for
3: one thing. I mean, he represents the city of Uvalde, for God's sakes. I mean, it would be – I mean, I don't see how a legislator uh, representing Uvalde, Uvalde County could in good conscience do nothing to say – no, I'm just not, you know, I'm not going to work with the party in power in the US House of Representatives on principle even though this this horror took place in one of the towns I represented. That's just it's not feasible and um somebody who would take that position just doesn't deserve the office. So to me, I mean it it totally makes sense. It's understandable why he did it. And I I think it's just kind of it it's Few things are more revealing about the state of the Republican Party now than the fact that he's being censured for that.
0: And he said, you know, I saw him in Uvalde a few weeks ago, and he said that people in, in that community told him, do something.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think he could do a lot more. <laughs> right. oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, no, no doubt. Um, and to hear that they believe he's a rhino, I mean, come on. And uh, the guy had, you know, MTG on for a town hall yeah, Friday night. <laughs> um, he's definitely no rhino. He is trying to do just a little bit. And I mean, it does speak volumes about the GOP, but we know, we know that. Um, and that's our biggest problem is that they are not working for the common good. And um, for all the constituents, but it's this polarized, um, just a mess, you know, and can we get anything accomplished in in government? I don't know.
1: Well, it's the same thing that from what what we talked about earlier with the uh, threats of, of, of election workers. It's, and it's about participating in democracy. Who gets to participate in a democracy and who doesn't? You have election laws. You have people who want to intimidate Election workers and, and thus people going to the polls. And then here you have a party that wants to censure a member for reaching across party lines, for doing the stuff that, that democracies do, uh, create legislation. And I'm, I'm always hesitant to, 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 to call it them the Republican Party or, or conservatives because what we're seeing, it's not the traditional Republican Party, and it's definitely not traditional conservatism. This is a is a different animal. But when you censure someone, and aside from the issues which the legislation which he voted on, but censuring someone for cooperating mm-hmm. with the other with the other party, not the other side. Mm-hmm. That's the problem. You look at it as the <laughs> other side. Yeah. But with the other party. It, it, I know.
0: Well, one of the things that fascinates me about the way Donald Trump now dominates the Republican party and so much of it, you're, you're really defined by, are you in his camp or not? That, that, that's indicates whether you're a rhino, you're, you're perceived as a rhino. The night that Liz Cheney lost Laura Ingram on Fox news was saying, well, this is, uh, this is great because this brings, finally brings an end to the tragic Bush Cheney era. And, uh, i was someone who strongly opposed the Iraq war at the time. Um, And so I, I, I'm no way defending the Bush Cheney era when it comes to to foreign policy, but Lori Ingram was a strong supporter of the Bush Cheney foreign policy. She was so supportive of the Iraq war that she wrote a book called shut up and sing attacking the Dixie chicks and others who would dare to say anything negative about the Iraq war. And she called celebrities, Elitists for not supporting George Bush uh, on the Iraq War. Now she's calling it a tragic era, and so my my what it seems to me because I, I, one of the things that I saw on the night that Liz Cheney lost, you, you saw uh, people on social media who were glad, you know, Republicans who were glad to see her gone, and saying you know warmonger, loser. And I'm thinking like I, I don't know how old some of these people are, but I'm willing to bet if they're you know 40 or above, that many of these people were. Supporting the Iraq war and having arguments with people who are who are critics of the war. But now they Liz Cheney is a warmonger loser. And is it is it pure? Is it because they really have had a change of heart? Is there has conservatism now? Moved away from <laughs> the nation building and all that stuff, or is it just that Donald Trump doesn't? She voted like, ninety-two yeah, percent yeah. Of, 92% yeah. of the time yeah. with Donald yeah. Trump. Yeah, ninety-two percent of the time. <laughs> right.
1: It's like
3: gamesmanship has replaced principle <laughs> yeah. entirely. Yeah. Yeah. I know. So I mean,
0: so, I mean you know, I, I, I'm, I'm always always looking for a silver lining. So with Trump, I think well, he's maybe moved the Republic Party <laughs> away from nation building and the whole neocon <laughs> sensibility about you know a, a, a aggressive use of military force elsewhere. maybe that's a positive thing. But I don't know that it's it's out of any real principle. It's just like um, he. He was running against Jeb Bush, and he was saying, you know, he he just, you know, wanted to criticize Jeb Bush and his yeah. brother, and so that it, 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 that it, that grew into like a a Trump doctrine of sorts, you know. Um, so we're going to get to questions from our listeners, and again, we're those of you who of you who have submitted questions. If we if we don't get to them right right away, we're going to do our best to catch up. I'm um, going to start with really interesting question. Which is who's responsible for taking down all the campaign signs that litter the city after an election? I'm assuming this is a a San Antonian who is gets really annoyed, as many of us do, uh, seeing these campaign signs around for a while. The the city uh, the answer to that is that the campaigns are responsible. the The city has a policy that you have 90 days to uh, to keep 90 consecutive days to keep a campaign sign at a location. Um, What I've been told is that you know often candidates will. Put a, a sign in a place maybe eighty days before an election, something like that. So then they can have it through the election, and maybe they have. A, that gives them about ten days to get rid of them. So the campaigns are responsible. Uh, an exception, the, uh, an obvious exception, is if some someone you know buys a campaign sign, and decides to put it in their front yard. I mean, they can they can keep it there for the rest of their life if they want. Um, you can keep that Betho sign up there for, for the next campaign. <laughs> so, you know, yeah, you know, maybe four years he'll run for something else. Um, so. Uh, so that, that's basically the policy I'm willing to, uh, are fairly certain that there are campaigns that are not complying with this. I, is that the sense you get just from driving around town? Oh yeah,
3: definitely. I think I've seen, uh. I've I've seen and I can't I wish I could remember who the candidate was. I think I've seen uh, election signs from two cycles ago, like two, yeah. two <laughs> elections yeah. ago. Yeah, I mean,
0: it's, yeah, right? yeah.
3: Yeah. It's yeah, like didn't they lose? That's right. It's yeah. always yeah. Like, it's always the loser. Like, yeah. you know, <laughs> it's like Phil Hardberger's right. not yeah. the ballot. Like, what's going yeah. Yeah. on? Come on! I mean, you know, the winners seem to do okay. Like they go, "Hey, I won. I'm feeling generous, open handed, so I'm going to go pick up all my signs." <laughs> Everybody else is just bitter. So.
0: I wanted to, uh, the uh, next question, what is the most plausible path to victory for Betho in the race for governor? Uh, he might want to listen in on to this week's podcast. He might, this might be helpful to him. Uh, Kerry, I'm going to go to you. What do you think?
1: I think one of the things he's one of the, the, the first thing when he, uh, announced was, you know, could he, could he recapture the, the excitement of, of 2018? He's done that. And he's done that with help from, you know, you know, circumstances like Uvalde and, and, uh, Governor Abbott's performance. But the other thing, and the Washington Post just had a story on this yesterday, is the way his outreach into rural communities, which he spoke with he spoke about earlier this year when he met with the editorial board. I mean, he's basically almost staying in rural communities. Uh, not necessarily going to, to win them, but if you just make a few converts here and and match that with the excitement of maybe getting more voters out. Uh, I, I really thought going into this election that it it really would be as much about the performance of Abbott when it came to the grid uh, and, and COVID, especially the grid. And I, I think that that's being played out right now. So I think that combination of getting the excitement of people who you expect to vote for Beto and then Beto drawing folks who normally wouldn't vote for him.
2: Yeah, I know there's a piece over the weekend about rural, you know, the power of rural um you know, rural Texas in the election, and I know that he is uh, focusing there. I know, you know, something that comes to mind is a video clip of when he was, and I don't know exactly where he was, but it was somewhere rural in Texas. And and so he says, "Well, you know, I'm sorry about these Abbott, um, these Abbott supporters here, uh, but you know, have some, basically have some empathy for them because Abbott doesn't show up for them." And wow, what a true statement that is. And I have to say, I mean, there he's got some fire behind his behind his campaign. I mean, every clip I've seen is is packed. Um, It has a very passionate crowd, and um, you know, I think that his team is doing a really good job in sharing these video clips. Um, for even people who are not there. And yeah, I mean, he's totally correct to be focused on rural communities because they don't want to feel left out. You know, I'm from a small town. And um, so often small towns feel left out and um, and this is all very important to them. Um, but they feel like, oh, maybe, maybe our vote doesn't matter, right?
3: Yeah, I think, um, you know, I think Beto uh, is going to benefit probably almost more than anything else from the reversal of Roe versus Wade. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you're you're just not going to hear Governor Abbott talking about abortion very much at all, is my guess, because he's on the wrong side of the issue as far as most public polling goes. Um, and I think it's – you know, Beto O'Rourke has clearly been supportive of abortion rights, like there's been no question about it. And I think he's going to he's going to press that issue into the suburbs. He's going to continue you've already seen kind of an erosion of support among suburban women. I think that's, you know, I think he's going to do everything he can to to use this issue to further drive them from the GOP and from Abbott. So I think that's going to be a big deal for him. And I think it is smart Mm -hmm. to go out into these rural communities uh, because, you know, it's it's kind of a numbers game. Like the, you know, to say that the rural community in, in communities in Texas, deep red, you're never going to flip them. That's true. But I mean, it's – this is a statewide vote. So, yeah. you know, if – if There's no electoral college. Right. Yeah, exactly. 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 So, I mean, why not? You know, if – if you know, you've got solid support in the cities, and I think he does, uh, you know, the large cities in Texas. You know, you're making headway in the suburbs. Like, why wouldn't you? Go talk to, to people out in the country and generate whatever – you know, Abbott's still going to win. <laughs> out in the hinterland, he's going to win. But maybe, maybe not by as much, and that, that could be significant, I think, for for O'Rourke.
0: I, I think the optics, too, regardless of how many votes he actually flips there, the optics of saying, I'm going into these communities, I'm going to be the governor for everybody, and I'm not afraid to go into these communities, and I'm, I'll take on uh, questions and criticism from those areas, and it's, it's a stark contrast to Greg Abbott, who— you know he doesn't. He, he doesn't like to be in, in situations where he doesn't have a friendly crowd. I mean, even even kind of shied away from the Republican State Convention because he wasn't sure he was going to get a friendly crowd. So um, yeah, I think that one of the things that that I think with, with, with Beth is, I think he he will do well in the cities. Um, uh, I think he is making inroads in suburbs, which Democrats are generally doing in Texas anyway. A concern for him, I, I would think, would be from the polling I've seen. His plurality among Latino voters is is pretty thin, and and this is a challenge that Democrats are facing. Republicans are saying, you know, you've you've been taking votes from from us in the in the suburbs. We're gonna we're gonna try to counteract that in the in the Valley and in other communities that are heavily Latino. And so, uh, you know, he's obviously he's only got a couple of months. I don't. It's debatable how much he can do, but I think he really has to make a push in the Valley. This is a natural Democratic stronghold that has. Been a little less strong recently, and if he can, uh, if he underperforms there, I mean, I think that's gonna that's gonna be a problem for him.
1: And I've I've said it before, so I'll go on record this here now. I I think he'll win. I think he can win this thing. I I, and I uh, for all the reasons that we that we we've talked about, and I really do believe that there's there's that when people go to the polls, they really are looking more at Abbott. And his response to a lot of things than just, I and mean, another thing that the that, that work has gone for him is that he's a bit more, a bit, looks a bit more mature this, this time around. I mean, it's still the, he doesn't give the, he doesn't, still doesn't give a structured speech and he's still, does, you know, the sweaty arms and everything. I mean, that, but that's his thing. But I think that, I think and the that. And the profanity. The profanity. You have mention the profanity. Which was, okay, was interesting about the, 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 the scenario, the uh, story that Nancy told, that came like a few days after it and it was so much better, you know, because you could only do that thing one time, what he did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I I, 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 I think he can win this thing. Yeah,
2: I think if he mobilizes the women, like you said, Greg, I mean, yeah. that is a huge issue. Yeah. That's, that is a major key. And women have, I mean, so much power, right? And mm. you see the groups, you know, um, what is it? The Moms Against Abbott, mm. um, you know, their commercials and their uh, social media presence is huge. Um, teachers, I feel like that is a huge, huge market. And, and I do see he talks a lot about education and has a lot of big ideas on how to change things for education. and and being a former teacher. I mean, that is absolutely needed um, now more than ever. You know, I mean, when you see how COVID devastated education and and then, you know, Uvalde's school shootings and everything else, I mean, just compare, right? And compare, just look at what Abbott has done about that so far. Um, I think also young voters. I think um, Beto definitely speaks to young voters in a way that Abbott doesn't. And it's just a matter of continuing um, for better to focus on the women the latinos and the um and the young people
0: our final question is for all of us who would be a dream guest for the podcast start with you greg you start with me yeah i'm i <laughs>
3: always i hate this question because like inevitably like who i would want to have on is like i would have jello biafra the ah, lead singer of would, Death Kennedys okay. He'd be great. <laughs> uh, however. Yeah, you kind of uh, so threw me is, a curveball there, but well, it's that's good. Be, that's because that's, I would not actually ask for him as a dream guest for this podcast. Uh, so, I don't know. Like, I would pick uh, Ted Cruz. Mm-hmm. Hold on. Hold on. Big yeah. caveat. Only if he's hooked up to a lie detector. no really wouldn't that be fun yeah I mean that would be that would be awesome we're gonna work on that one yeah okay
1: (laughs) Carrie, well see I, I I go the way that Greg does and 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 I go with I go with 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 the young lady that that Nancy saw in concert a couple of weeks ago, Alicia Keys. So oh, I, that, there's, no, there's no second choice. <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh, hold on, we can't do that? Then I'm going back, I'm well, going okay. back, I'm going back to Jell-O. Yeah. I do second Alicia
2: Keys. Um, and this is, you know, Elizabeth Warren would be one of my dream guests. I think I've, you know, there's no time that I've ever heard her speak that I'm just not like, wow, applauding in my living room. <laughs> Or my car if I'm listening to a podcast or something. I mean, she's uh just strong and um and I think she could have made a lot of difference for us, right? And she is still making a difference. But um, you know, I, I'm a big fan of hers. Um and I mean, as far as Texas, I would say hear more from Beto. I think I know he's met with us and um and we hear from him a lot, but I think he'd be a great guest to have as well.
0: Well, as long as we're doing a blue sky thing, because I think that's what we're kind of going with. <laughs> yeah. uh, and, and in the spirit of, of a Carrie of yours, I mean, someone who was who toured with Alicia Keys in 2004 and a Texan Beyonce. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, we know I know she's you know, she wore a Beto cap, I think, at the end of the, the final day of the 2018 Senate race. But there's a lot about her her political views yeah. that we we can maybe surmise, yeah. but we really don't know because she hasn't maybe talked in detail. That'd be fascinating. Um, maybe slightly more realistic maybe not even that much more realistic um you know governor abbott i think he he does he is not accessible as nancy talked about um he tends to only if he's going to deal with the media it's going to be friendly media and um i think that it would be nice to see him challenged and questioned about his record and you know just to, to sit down for 30 minutes and i don't expect this to happen but i think it would
1: I think that would be that would be something I'd like to see. Um, I'll throw a serious one out there. so sure. everybody, everybody else also went to serious one? Yeah, sorry out. we messed it up. Stacey Abrams. I think she's the most oh, yeah. fascinating oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. political figure in, in, in the country. Yeah, yeah, that would be great.
0: Um, on that note, we're going to wrap things up. Thank you for your questions. Keep sending them and uh, we'll be back with you next week. Take care.